This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Our next guest, quarterback teams to championship games in two leagues. The Canadian Football League, that's the CFL, and the NFL. Throwing a couple Cotton Bowl appearances at Notre Dame, and Joe Theismann had one terrific run as a quarterback. He split those Cotton Bowl appearances against Texas, lost that great cup with the Toronto Argos, but won a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins. He was the NFL MVP in 1983, was selected as one of the 70 greatest Redskins of all time, and now, best of all, he's with us. Joe Theismann, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Joe, your time in the CFL intrigues me. You've, you finished second in the Heisman balloting in 1970 to Plunkett. Then he gets drafted first overall in the 1971 draft, and you slide all the way to the fourth round to the Miami Dolphins. Then you opted to sign with the Argonauts instead of the Dolphins. Why? First of all, I wasn't the biggest guy in the world coming out of school. As a matter of fact, I laugh today when I look at what prototypes they're looking for at the quarterback position today. I think I wouldn't have even gotten an invite to a combine or possibly even a workout. But I think it was just my size that everybody was curious about. I, I never, you know, in the National Football League, I played 15 years of professional football. I never weighed more than 185 pounds. So when I came out of college, I was you know, 175, 177, and uh, just a shake under six feet. So uh, my size was an issue. My durability, I think, was a question. And one of the funniest things that happened to me was um, Pete Redslaff was the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, and I met him at a dinner in Chicago. I'm sorry, in Philadelphia. And um, he, he asked me how tall I was. And, you know, I thought maybe I'd like to play maybe for the Giants or the Eagles, someplace close to home in Jersey. He said, how tall are you? I said, I'm just about six feet. He says, you look 5'10". Uh, what do you weigh? He said, about 180 pounds. He says, you look 160. And turned and walked away. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to be drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not going to happen. man. <laughs> but I, I wound up going to Canada. I flown down to Miami. The Miami drafted me with their third pick. They had to give up their first-round pick to Baltimore when Don Shula left to go to coach the Dolphins. And I actually did not negotiate my contract with Mr. Thomas, who was the general manager. I did it with Mr. Robbie because Joe Thomas was having open heart surgery. And I sat across from Mr. Robbie and he said, what do you want? I said, I want um, 35, 45, 55,000 and a $35,000 signing bonus. He said, you got it. And I thought, that's not the way these things are supposed to work. <laughs> There's supposed to be some rhetoric. We're supposed to have some conversation. I'm supposed to say no. You're supposed to say no. I'm supposed to say yes. You but anyway, so I go on Miami Dol I go on Miami TV and say, "Come heck or high water, I'll be in Miami Dolphins." And then they put a clause in my contract that said I'd broken the the Bowman's bonus down into twelve, twelve, and eleven, three separate years over the length of the contract. And they had me paying back the bonus in the third year and the second year if I didn't show up uh, on the team. And I said that's just wrong. And so I went through this hassle myself. I did not have an agent, which was my first mistake. I got emotionally involved. And I stayed in contact with um, our coach, Leo Cahill, with the Toronto Argonauts all through his drive from Toronto to Florida on vacation. And finally, I flew to Toronto. I met with Mr. John Bassett Sr. up there, and I said, is your offer still on the table? And it was 50-50-50-50 U.S. dollars. Not that the money was that much of a difference. And then he said to me, he gave me an ultimatum. He said, if you leave this country and you don't sign this contract, offer's off the table. I signed the contract. I said, please allow me to call Coach Shuler. 
when I get back to the United States and tell them what I've done. Well, I land in the U.S. the next morning. Eric Varsigian, my coach at Notre Dame, was sort of my quote-unquote consultant, whom I never consulted. And he <laughs> said to me, he said, um, what in heaven's name have you done? I, just signed, I said, I signed with the Argonauts. He said, I know, I just got off the phone with Coach Shule, and he's on his way up here to South Bend right now. And Don flew up and read me a riot act. You had a moral obligation to be a Miami Dolphin and this and that. And I said, well, you had a moral obligation not to screw up my contract. They ultimately relented on the, the bonus aspect of it. But I got disillusioned with the process. So I wound up going to Toronto, and, and we had an unbelievable experience our first year going to a Grey Cup. I broke, my, I broke my right leg, only one bone my second year. And then my third year, I was fully prepared to stay in the Canadian Football League, but they got into a um, thing where they wanted to not pay the salaries that we see today. So I was lucky enough to come back to the United States. When you came back after those three years, Joe, uh, the Redskins had traded a first-round pick to Miami to get your rights. But that first year, as I recall, you had more punt returns than passes, your rookie season. Uh, and then you had to wait three more years before you finally got your shot uh, and replaced Bill Kilmer. Sort of a two-part question. Is your path one that you'd recommend to a young quarterback today, and how did you cope with it all? I wouldn't necessarily recommend taking that many years to get ready to play. <laughs> Although Kirk Cousins, our guy in Washington, D.C., has sat four, actually three, and then had a chance to be able to play last year. And uh, now I think he's you know fully vested as far as being able to play the position and understanding what's going on. I think we force young guys into the game before they're really ready. Colleges don't necessarily prepare them for the professional game because there's so many elements to it. There's the preparation of the mental part of it as well as taking care of your body, you know, adjusting to time schedules, have, being on your own time schedule. So much more is required of you. I mean, you're talking literally anywhere between two and 300 plays per week that you're responsible for, whether it be through communication or signaling. There are a lot of adjustments going on. The speed of the game is so different. To really give yourself a chance and the team to benefit from a young player, you almost have to give them an opportunity to be able to grow into it for at least a year, maybe two. Then I think you'll get a better product. We see a lot of young guys. Joey Harrington up in Detroit just got eaten up by this game. We see a lot of guys because of the demands on the position at quarterback, which, by the way, is the toughest position to play in professional sports. Uh, they're just not ready for it mentally and physically. It's a demanding game. And, and so, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that it go that way. I just wanted to play football. I, I actually returned punts my first seven games at, at the University of Notre Dame. So it wasn't an unfamiliar position for me. I used to catch punts in the Canadian Football League in the end zone and punt them out to protect against the single, or as they refer to it, the rouge. So punt returning was a part of my life. And I, I saw an opportunity with the Redskins. I wanted to be actively involved. I was running the scout team. I ran wide receiver. I ran running back. Then I started catching punts, and then we were playing the Giants, and um, we had a kick returner by the name of Herb Mulkey that George Allen found in one of his many tryout camps. 600 players, he found one guy. And then Kenny Houston, our Hall of Fame safety, did it, and both of them got hurt. So I walked up to George, and I said, Kenny's hurt. You want me to go in? So he says, go ahead. He waves me going in. He turns to Paul Lanham, our special teams coach. He says, where's he going? He said, you sent him in to return the punt. He said, the heck I did. Get him off the field. <laughs> Once I crossed that white line, I wasn't turning around. And George was the kind of guy, if you could prove something to him, he let you do it. So for 1974 1975, I had the good fortune to, earn, uh, to return punts. 
I believe there's been one other quarterback that's done it, and that was Doug Flutie. But he only did it for a game as an experiment up in New England, and I, I think that was about it. He also drop-kicked an extra point, if you remember, <laughs> remember that. <laughs> I know. I, I saw Doug not too long ago. It, they want to bring back that drop-kick one more time for somebody. We're with former Washington quarterback Joe Theismann <laughs> on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Joe, earlier on this program, we asked Roger Staubach about the impact that Tom Landry had on his career. I want to ask you about another Hall of Fame coach, and that's Joe Gibbs. What impact did he have on your career? Oh, he had a tremendous impact, not only on my career, but me as a person. I got, you know, I was Joe's first quarterback, so uh, I wasn't easy on him, and it was an experience, I'm sure, because I'm a little bit high-strung. And, uh, you know, Joe used to walk out. He'd, he'd live at the facility Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. Joe slept there. I mean, they worked till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Many instances, I'd come in at 7.30, and Don Bro, our running backs coach, would be sound asleep in one of the meeting rooms or – Someone else would be asleep someplace else in a hallway. And Coach Gibbs used to be in his office at about 7, 38 o'clock as we were getting ready for our meetings. He would come walking out with a cup of coffee, hair all disheveled, and I'd come flying down the hallway going, hey, Coach, how's it going? He would turn around and look at me and just walk back in his office for the next 15 minutes to try and gain some sanity before he had to deal with me. <laughs> Joe, Joe basically, you know, when I first got him, we were going to run the San Diego Charger offense. I'd studied Dan Fouts. We were going to throw the ball all over the place, and I did the first year. We were 0-5, throwing it all over the place. Hey, Joe, we've got to run, but uh, thanks for the time, and I mean it. When, when I go to Carlisle many, many years ago, you were the best and most available quote, so thanks again for spending time with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was former Washington quarterback Joe Theismann. Up next, Thank Peyton you. Manning's next career move and Ron's next target. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance.